Cameron DePazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We're now to our 12th lesson, almost to the end of our study in the book of Genesis this quarter. Uh, some great lessons we've mm. been learning and relearning probably, but uh, diving into deeper. And this week, the title is Joseph, Prince of Egypt. And it's the Part second two. half yeah, of the Joseph saga that we started last week. And um, I had the privilege of putting together talking points for this one. And I think there are some, really like last week, this is, it's, it's hard to exhaust, particularly the life of Joseph. There's so many practical, relevant things that we can learn from his experience so long ago. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just really excited about this lesson. So looking forward to and it. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. This is even better than last week's memory verse. If you because it's then, which verse is it? Oh. Genesis 41, 41. <laughs> so this is, if, if somebody's been holding out for some of those longer, like here it is. Yeah, this is maybe it's like verse. the turning over a new leaf, looking at that perfect right. time. This is your week, friends. <laughs> yes, put the scripture to memory and uh, study the life of Joseph and you're gonna be blessed for sure. All right, well, I don't know that we have any preliminary comments but beyond that, but we need to dive into the study itself. That's right. Could you lead us in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of truth. And we ask now for the guidance of the Spirit of Truth as we record this episode of Talking Points. And Lord, we ask also for the outpouring of the Spirit upon the teachers as they teach, upon the students in the classes, the church members as they learn, uh, that the things that are studied in this lesson will help us to become more like Jesus, whom we love and serve. For we ask and pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, this week, Joseph, Prince of Egypt, is contrast where last week he was Joseph, what was a master of dreams. Yes. And so, um, basically, last week he had these dreams about greatness, uh, but they weren't realized. He had all yeah. these difficulties. This week, now he's in his proper sphere, as uh, the dreams had indicated. Um, and really, in the, in the study notes, I, I wrote this down, that this week's study covers two main aspects of Joseph's adult experience. His role as administrator in Egypt number one, and his reconciliation and reunification with his family. While the lesson touches on the former, giving only, by the way, one day to it, essentially, mm -hmm. his rise to power on Sunday, Joseph's dealings with his brothers is the primary focus. So if you were just flipping through casually, you'll notice the introduction on Sabbath, then Joseph's rise to power on Sunday, then it's Monday confronts his brothers, Tuesday, Joseph and Benjamin, Wednesday, the Divination Cup, which deals with his testing of his brothers, and finally Thursday, I am Joseph, right. your brother. So the clear emphasis is going to be on the family that, side. Yes, the and whole dealing with his brother's reconciliation, that kind of thing. That whole thing, yep. So, all right, what are our talking points, Pastor Cameron? three this week, and talking point number one, even in trial, we can trust God and witness for him. Uh, that's a great example from Joseph's life, and we look at that primarily in Sunday's uh, study. All right. Talking point number two, God's prophecies are fulfilled with amazing accuracy. That comes from Monday's lesson. And we're not in the book of Daniel or this Revelation. This is not Daniel or Revelation. Week. There are prophecies within That's the right. own life of Joseph that had stunning fulfillments. Right. And finally, number three, character is the true evidence of a contrite heart. All Tuesday, right. Wednesday, Thursday, all about that reunification with the family. All right. So even in trial, we can trust God and witness for him. That's absolutely true. Now, let's skip ahead. Let's go ahead to our Bibles now, just to give a little context for this. Why don't you read Genesis 45, verses 5 through 8? 
Now I know this is skipping ahead to the reunification part, but as Joseph recounts his experience, he's able to give this testimony. All right, 45, Genesis 45, verse 5. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. In fact, one more here. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, this is the same Joseph, of course, who last week we were, he was, you know, he was a young boy. He had some character mm-hmm. development of his own. Seventeen years to learn. old, I right. think the Bible said. Exactly. He's just a teenager, baby. and he's separated from his family. He's heartbroken. He's uh, and to be clear, as we touched on last week, he had some issues to work out because of the favoritism shown him right. and privilege. So he's gone through a lot now, and now he finally has that opportunity to look at his brothers in the eye, and he, instead of saying. This serves you right. You, you dirty, you rotten. Right. He, in fact, doesn't even say, I just forgive you for it. He said, no, this was a good thing. God brought me here, and he, mm-hmm. it's going to help you. It's good for all of us. And to the, one of the key lessons from jo- the life of Joseph is that even in trial, we can trust God and witness for him. Yeah. And, well, I mean, look at this Fascinating. comment from the, it's from the LNG White uh, supplemental comments um, from Sabbath afternoon, but you'll find it in the Bible commentary, page, uh, volume one, page mm-hmm. 1097. The part which Joseph acted in connection with the scenes of the gloomy prison was that which raised him finally to prosperity and honor. God designed that he should obtain an experience by temptations, adversity, and hardships to prepare him to fill an exalted position. We saw the same type of thing last week mm. when the, the being sold by his brothers was actually good for his character. Right. Being in the household of Potiphar was good. Being in the prison was good for him. And now when he gets out, he's able to say that through all of that, God was leading. And that is a that is a depth of character development that I don't know that I'm that yet to say that every bad thing mm-hmm. is that somehow the Lord was glorified through it and I'm just happy to be part of his plan. Well, the statement really grabs my attention where it says God designed. It doesn't say God decided to allow or mm. permit. Mm-hmm. God designed that he should obtain an experience. Like this was in a design and a plan of God um, again, and we know that, that the hardships in life aren't God's ideal for humanity, right. but the idea of God designed is he knew what had to take place, yes. pleasant or unpleasant. He knew if he was going to accomplish the purpose that he had for Joseph, it had to go through this route. Exactly. And now he mentions in the end of that testimony there how the Lord has made him a, what would he call it, a father to Pharaoh, a yes. lord of all his household, a ruler. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. He talks about how I now have this position of trust and influence on Pharaoh himself that the Lord has placed me in. And of course, we know the story well. It was through the mechanism of the dreams that he had, right? The prison dreams and then the dream of the uh, uh, of the seven years of yes. famine and, and feast time, you know. And here Joseph is brought through all that train of circumstances to the point where he can stand before Pharaoh confident in the Lord's leading, trusting in his prophetic insights, and he can declare clearly that not only do I know, I know because the Lord has shown me, yes. right? And if you don't see this parallel, you got to draw it out in your Sabbath school classes, friends, that Joseph before Pharaoh interpreting dreams 
sounds an awful lot like Daniel before mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar That's right. interpreting dreams, right? But I, I, I don't want to say I took a little issue, but on Sunday's lesson, it says in the first paragraph, um, for Joseph, Pharaoh's dreams reveal what God was about to do in the land. Joseph, however, does not call on Pharaoh to believe in his God. Well, as strictly worded, that's true. We don't see an yeah. appeal to an a to call. Yeah, exactly. Right. Having said that, mm -hmm. I would defy you to go back to Daniel chapter 2 and find that place where in Daniel's interpretation of the great metal man, yes. he makes an appeal for Nebuchadnezzar to give his life to the Lord or his heart to God. He doesn't do that. But when you go to, um, for instance, when you do look at the parallel in Daniel um, chapter 2, as I mentioned, Daniel gives all the interpretation, and it's Pharaoh, him, uh, not Pharaoh, but it's Nebuchadnezzar himself, who at the end of the explanation says in verse 47 of Daniel 2, The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. So he sees the self-evident power of God through Bible prophecy, right? Well, Joseph does the same thing before Pharaoh. Once you read a few verses here in Genesis 41, I have highlighted a few here because you could almost get the impression that Joseph almost didn't even mention the God thing when he repeatedly brings out that God is the one who does it. Look at Genesis 41, verses 25, 28, and 32. Verse 25 says, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. All right, 28. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. All right, let's go to 32. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Right, so nowhere in this does Daniel give a hint that, you know, you're, you're wise to bring it to me because I can interpret mm -hmm. it. No, he's like, no, no, God has done this. It's in his providence. This, And basically, it is the same thing Daniel does. The difference is, well, at least as recorded in Scripture, we don't see a great declaration from Pharaoh sure. that your God is so great, except we do see... Just in the same passage later on, look at verses 37, I'll read this one, to 41, where it says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? So, without reading any further, we do see that he recognizes not only the, the wisdom of Joseph, but the source of that wisdom in the God he serves. So I, it feels a bit of an understatement to say Joseph does not call on Pharaoh to believe in his God. He witnesses for his God. He gives opportunity. And we don't know what happened with Pharaoh after this. I think you and I were talking the, about that the before. The challenge is wondering why this is in the lesson. In mm -hmm. other words, what's... It, uh, you can only conjecture is the is the what's the point being made here? Is it that we shouldn't be overt in our witness yeah, to God? I hope that's is, not it, the is it that Pharaoh just wasn't interested in spiritual things? Both of those are assumptions we cannot make here. Because right. first of all, we don't have the whole story recorded. It's interesting that Joseph said that I've become a father to Pharaoh. I mean, the implication there is he's got a lot of influence. We've got a connection there, yeah. Not just connection, influence. Mm -hmm. He didn't say I've become a friend of Pharaoh. Mm. I've become a father to Pharaoh. Yes. So there's a there's a Pharaoh looks to Joseph, mm -hmm. and ha, and then when he just because he didn't come out like Nebuchadnezzar say your God is a God of gods, yet he still recognized the Spirit of the Living God is in this man, and mm -hmm. and he confers to him, 
you know, the keeping of, of all his goods and whatever. There's something to be said there. We don't know the history. We do know this, that when we come to the Exodus, the Bible says that the Israelites did not even go into slavery until this Pharaoh died. Right. And another Pharaoh came who, who knew, knew not, not Joseph. Joseph. So the implication is that he was much more open. Yes. And so for us to conjecture and say, it, the reason I'm even saying what I am is we do this in evangelism all the time because we work in personal yes. ministries and Sabbath school. Everybody wants to hear now. I just gave a Bible study. I just witnessed and they didn't say, hey, baptize me today. It takes time, but mm. just because it doesn't happen instantly does not mean people aren't thinking and making changes in their lives and beginning to move in that direction. And I would think that from what we see here that that, that may have been the case here with this Pharaoh. Well, and if we do take the we parallel don't. between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, we know that De Nebuchadnezzar makes the declaration of how great God is, but right. then he makes an image of gold all of himself, exactly. and then he has to have the Daniel chapter 4 issue, you know, but in the end, he's closing his life praising God. And we, something similar could have happened with this It's Pharaoh. unquestionable, regardless what the viewpoint is, without question, Daniel had a spiritual influence on yes. this Pharaoh. And that's the point I want to take away. I don't want to read into this that they right. just only had a political and pragmatic relationship. Did he ever decide to become a follower of true God? We don't no know, idea. but we, he certainly had a religious impact upon him. Anyway, we need to move on to the second talking point. But the whole point of the first one is that we can trust and witness for God, even in difficult circumstances, yes. as Joseph did so well. Talking point number two, God's prophecies are fulfilled with amazing accuracy. And this is where it's just so cool because mm -hmm. you think back of, and again, you know the story. We're not reading through it here, but of course, Joseph's brothers are experiencing the famine and they are forced by circumstance down into where they've heard there's this plenteousness, right. this harvest in Egypt. And they go in there and of course, it's Joseph who's the who's the overseer of this whole thing. And, and you think back in the in the original dream, the back when dream, he was 17 right. years old, right? Where it says... Um, that irritating dream to yes. the others. But it, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Maybe it has struck me before, but it re-triggered in my mind here. But in 37 verse 7, uh, where he tells the dream, he says, There we were, binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bound down to my sheaf. And it never dawned on me, like... I mean, obviously, they were there out in the field with, you know, an agricultural sure. lifestyle. So maybe a sheaf was a good representation. But, right, the very... but they were shepherds. Why wasn't it a sheep right, illustration? Exactly. So why, why this one? Well, of course, because the very thing they were going to need in the end, the, mm -hmm. the issue the was grain. going to be grain and, and food. And so here, their, their, their inferior grains are bowing down to his superior grain. Mm -hmm. and, and that's exactly what happened. They come and literally bow down to the ground mm -hmm. and it had to imagine the the sense of almost deja vu it had to be for oh, Joseph. Yeah. Like, I've seen this before. And know? the brothers. <laughs> and the brothers, too. And we're going to see that in a minute. They're, they're connecting the dots here, right? Also, while we're still in chapter 37, Joseph had a second dream. And I was always kind of wondering, why did he have two dreams? Because, obviously, mm -hmm. even in the telling of the story, before you get to the interpretation, Joseph is so young and naive, and he's like, hey, guys, I had a dream that showed I'm right. going to be better than you. How about it? And then he has another one. And you think, mm -hmm. like, oh, Joseph, just shut it down, you know? Mm -hmm. But he goes and he tells it, but why the second dream? Well, he says in verse 9, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. This time, you notice the first dream was just the 11 yeah. sheaves, but this one has the sun and the moon with mm -hmm. it too. 
So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth, mm -hmm. come to you to bow down mm -hmm. before you write? And verse 11 is very loaded. It says, And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Yes. He's like, there's something to this, and I don't want to make too much of it. I've already given the coat of many colors or whatever. Yeah. But well, the Lord had given Jacob dreams, so he had yes. a an idea there that this may be something I need to pay attention to. Well, so in Genesis 45, after the reconciliation happens, that's exactly what happened. Jacob, his father himself, and all of his household literally move down to Egypt and come down to be basically under the rule of Joseph in his administrative capacity right. in Egypt. And so, I mean, you think about the cupbearer and the, and, the, and, the, and the dreams in the prison, and now the dreams of the seven years of famine, Every single dream in Joseph's uh, experience are fulfilled with not just like, oh, I can kind of get it, but it's like to the letter uh, accuracy. And I, I bring this up because the lesson brought it out, I thought, very well in Monday's lesson. Um, why don't you read, if you would, it's a little bit of a longer mm -hmm. paragraph, the third paragraph in Monday's yes. lesson. Second, this providential meeting is described as a response. The linguistic and thematic echoes between the two events underline the character of the just retribution. The phrase they said to one another also was used when they began to plot against Joseph. The brothers' sojourn in prison echoes Joseph's sojourn in prison. In fact, Joseph's brothers relate what is currently happening to them to what they did to their brother perhaps 20 years ago. They, then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Yeah, so they essentially see in their own experience the very pain they had caused mm -hmm. to Joseph. You know, we are in trouble now, just like he was. And it's amazing to me how those, both the prophecies themselves and the accuracy, and the point-by-point not poetic justice, but mm -hmm. divine justice that they even sense in themselves mm -hmm. is so accurate and so pointed that it's inescapably clear that God's finger is on this and mm -hmm. they're under conviction now Absolutely. of what they've done wrong when they see the accuracy of these things fulfilled. This make, makes me think of the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 14 and also Philippians 2.10 where he talks about all every knee shall bow before Christ. I mean, this mm. is even the wicked. It's like God knows how to move things in such a way that it's just self-evident. There's just no getting around it. Like yes. this is justice. <laughs> yeah. And they, as the brothers saw, as you said, the tables were turned and they couldn't help but see, like, this is exactly what yes. we did. And I, I love that you bring up that point because both in the New Testament, Philippians and in Isaiah 45, when it talks about every knee shall bow, it mm -hmm. doesn't just say every righteous knee. It says every That's knee. Right. And at the end of the great controversy, Satan himself will acknowledge that not, not out of conversion or convict, con, but just out of this sheer weight of evidence mm -hmm. that right. God's been right, just and true are your ways. And they are having this experience mm -hmm. in their own lives, seeing it play out as it did. So it's fascinating. Fortunately, right. it appears in their experience that it did bring about repentance. And that's the thing, is that they didn't have to wait until it was too late. And what a marvelous God that we serve, that he will bring these lessons in a time when it's still able to be yes. something done about Amen. it, you know? And which leads to the final talking point, that character is the true evidence of a contrite heart. Mm -hmm. All of the reconciliation with the brothers really is, all of this is under this umbrella. And Joseph here is testing 
not there. He knows who they are. Yeah. Well, you read the story and you wonder why is he dragging this out? Yes. <laughs> just take chapter after chapter. Just tell him who you are. But yeah. no, all of the diddle. But you were going to say. Yeah, that's exactly diddle. my point. Is that he, Joseph oh. knew from the very beginning who they, he sees them. He's like, oh, those are my brothers. So the whole revealing of himself was not for, um, it wasn't for convenience sake. And it surely, as you mentioned, wasn't for uh, efficiency and expedition. He's doing it to it draw out of them. It's, exactly. He's doing a process to, to ascertain the depth of character change, right? And fascinatingly, of course, there was Joseph, and then there's the other uh, son of, Ra of Rachel, which is Benjamin, right? And he, Joseph had that special bond with Benjamin. He has the favor of... Mm -hmm. So in this role-playing thing, this disguising thing that Joseph does, which, by the way, is very much like what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus, if you remember, he concealed himself to ascertain what was really going on in their right. minds. Here, Joseph does that too. And he uses Benjamin as a proxy for himself. Right. If I can see how they feel about me, by watching what they do in regard to right. Benjamin. I remember them being je so jealous of me, they sold me to slavery. Right. They didn't like the favoritism, whatever. What happens if I show favoritism? Are they still, is mm -hmm. that still going to trigger them? Exactly. Yeah. And so he does that with the showing the disproportionate favor, gives them five times as much food and extra clothes and all this kind of stuff. And then he eavesdrops, and you've got to read through Patriots and Prophets on this, but he eavesdrops in their language to see how they're, mm -hmm. and apparently no hint of like, oh, look at J Benjamin. They don't care. They're just, they're just mm -hmm. happy to be there. And then in the subsequent thing with the whole divination cup, which the, the lesson does a good job of drawing out that Joseph does not actually practice divination right. like a magician but he wants to have all the uh, uh the trappings of that to elicit mm -hmm. the response from his brothers will they be right. afraid of this pagan guy you know so he arranges for the possibility of undeserved punishment like benjamin then has the potential to go into slavery himself just like joseph was and would they be sacrificial would they be sorry mm -hmm. for what has happened and when when Judah offers himself as the um, substitute for Benjamin, that's when he knows who they really are. And that process was necessary. And, and coming back to your point, did it have to take so long? Yeah, it did have to take mm -hmm. so long. He's drawing out. And I think about this in our Christian walk. Uh, can't we just fix it real quick? Some mm -hmm. character is not a fix-it-quick thing, no. right? Well, why don't you read uh, Patient Prophets 228 and 229. What is the thinking of Joseph in all this? By this token of favor to Benjamin, he hoped to ascertain if the youngest brother was regarded with the envy and hatred that had been manifested toward himself. Still supposing that Joseph did not understand their language, the brothers freely conversed with one another. Thus, he had a good opportunity to learn their real feelings. Mm. Still, he desired to test them further, and before their departure, he ordered that his own drinking cup of silver should be concealed in the sack of the youngest. Mm. Now, of course, the brothers pass the test with flying colors. They don't rise to the envy, you know, mm. abate. And they, they, again, Judah's willingness to become a slave instead of Benjamin was the crowning act. And immediately after Judah offers to lay himself down instead of Benjamin, Joseph bursts into tears. He said, ah, everybody leave, you know, mm -hmm. and he reveals himself as the, but he had seen all that he needed to see because the lesson kind of brought this tie too that 
by laying himself down in the place of Benjamin, it's very similar to the la- the ram caught in the mm-hmm. thicket instead of the sacrifice of Isaac, that I'm willing to sacrifice my... This is Christ-likeness in a person who was so unchrist-like years before. Right. It's incredible to see. Well, it's interesting that, you know, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And, mm. y- y- you know, it, it isn't highlighted here. But you've got to think about these brothers and the guilt they've carried for, you know, when Jacob deceived, he carried that guilt with him. And this, Mm -hmm. you can't run away from, there comes a time where you have either yielded to the Spirit of God or you've resisted the Spirit of God to the point, but up till that point, Mm -hmm. the Spirit of God persists. So true. And you can't help but think of of the, and time doesn't permit us to go through the whole story of all these brothers, I mean, Judah and Tamar and the Holy Spirit. But they've been through some hardships and, and guilt-ridden all of this time. And so mm-hmm. it all comes to a head at this moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and Joseph sees that for himself. And I imagine the, the emotion that he, he comes out with is got to be joy. It's got to be relief of curiosity for so many years. What, what were these brothers mm-hmm. really like? It's got to be uh, just a weight off of your shoulders. You know, so much of it. And... Even through that, and that's what's remarkable is in that moment, and we, this goes full circle to where we started our lesson. This brings us to Genesis 45, where um, verse 3 says, Well, it's immediately after uh, Judah lays himself down, we see in chapter 45, verse 1, then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He's like, I, I can't, there's nothing more to say here. And then he says to his brothers um, in verse 4, And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, therefore, do not therefore be grieved or angry mm-hmm. with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to, to preserve life. I don't... Fascinating response. He could say, like, yeah, you've got some skin in the game, but the good thing is the Lord overruled your stubborn... He doesn't. He says, don't even... You just let it go. I mean, that's the essence of true forgiveness. Not the slightest, like, look, you guys were jerks, but God worked it out. I'm going to take Jacob to Goshen. You guys are going (laughs) to say, we're all live, but you're going to live hard. He doesn't do that. He says, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the benefits of the whole whole kingdom. You know, and and it's... How, how does this strike Truly you? Truly what as the Lord the, does to us. Well, and the 11th hour workers and stuff, that mm-hmm. he, they're all going to get the same pay, that they get yes. the, the goodness even though they've been terrible. And it's just incredible. It is incredible and Jacob, story. of course, the, the if that's not the quintessential high point of the story, it's got to be when Jacob hears the news that Joseph is alive, he mm. sees the evidence of the carts, and he goes down and they reunite father and son. And all the stuff that was kind of implied in that Genesis 37 verse 11 where he said but he hid all these things in his heart about the dreams he's been carrying that for decades now how can the Lord's dream be true when my Joseph is dead much like Abraham and Isaac mm-hmm. how can it be true when he's but now he sees it and Jacob himself is brought is revived if you will yes. and note if you read for us this beautiful passage page 233 from Patriots and Prophets it says Jacob saw in his son's evidence of true repentance He saw his family surrounded by all the conditions needful for the development of a great nation, and his faith grasped the sure promise of their uh, future establishment in Canaan. 
He himself was surrounded with every token of love and favor that the prime minister of Egypt could bestow, and happy in the society of his long-lost son, he passed down gently and peacefully to the grave. I know that death is an enemy mm. and is no good at all, but if there was a good way to die, That's it. having all the loose ends of your life yes. tied up and your oh. children be faithful and you just yes. go down and rest to the grave. Seeing how God worked it all out. Yes, and it's just a beautiful thing. Now, the application for our lives as we close here today is uh, Ministry of Healing, page 487. I believe I got this from, uh, was it Friday's lesson or maybe it was in the supplemental notes? I don't recall, but Ministry of Healing 487 says, There will be provocations to test the temper, and it is by meeting these in a right spirit that the Christian graces are developed. If Christ dwells in us, we shall be patient, kind, and forbearing, cheerful amid frets and irritations. Day by day and year by year, we shall conquer self and grow into a noble heroism. This is our allotted task. But it cannot be accomplished without help from Jesus. Resolute decision, unwavering purpose, continual watchfulness, and unceasing prayer. Each one has a personal battle to fight. Not even God can make our characters noble or our lives useful unless we become co-workers with Him. And those who decline the struggle lose the strength and joy of victory. Mm, true. So if there's a takeaway lesson, if you see the Lord leading you through difficult times, don't give up. Press forward and trust that He has His best in mind for you and He will see you through in the end. Amen. Why don't you give us a word of closing prayer? Father in heaven, we again thank you for the testimony of your word and the, and the practical implications and lessons it has for us today. Lord, give us your spirit and by your grace help us to live lives that were faithful like those who have gone before us. And Lord, where we have our shortcomings as we see those patriarchs of old, we pray that you would work those out in your way and in your time. And Lord, just help us to maintain a trust in you throughout. We ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.